like to once again welcome everyone to the Central Church of Christ. We are just so thankful to have you in attendance with us this morning, whether you're here in the building or you're worshiping us online. We're just so glad you chose Central as your home for worship this morning. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out and supported us yesterday during the car wash and our bake sale. We appreciate those who donated the baked goods, who came and had their car washed, those who bought the baked goods, but also those who came and helped work it, and those who stayed to clean up afterwards. You guys made it a huge success, and we just appreciate that so much. Now, that being said, um, there are still some baked goods left over. I'm sure you saw on your way in. Um, we've got a nice little table set up out here. We've got a, a very nice spread of all these baked goods. So if you would like to on your way out, you can stop by and you can pick up some of those. Um, all donations are going to uh, help fund our summer trip. Um, also, if you, if you see your baked goods back there, please don't feel discouraged. We had a lot of people come yesterday that were donating more than they were taking. So please don't feel discouraged if you see your stuff back there. Um, but if you would like to, you can pick that up on your way out. Um, is, is anybody else like really tired this morning? Cindy's all the way up in the air. I mean, I'm, I, for one, am absolutely exhausted. So I'm just going to go ahead and get that out of the way and let you guys know that. Uh, fun little update on my life. Ryder started teething last week. So you got to hear a little sample of that just a couple minutes ago. It has been nonstop the entire week. Uh, he may look cute in all the pictures that Lena likes to take and post on Facebook and everything, and you just want to pinch his little cheeks. But man, as soon as the cameras are off, he screams for eight hours straight. So I am very thankful that I have a job to be able to get away to, get a little bit of peace and quiet every once in a while. I feel, I feel a little bad leaving Lena at home with him, but not bad enough to make me want to like, stay with help. Um, so this is my salute to all of you moms out there. You guys are superheroes. I don't know how you do it, but we appreciate you so much. Um, I had to watch him by myself all day on Thursday, and he screamed the entire time. He never once slept. Uh, at one point, just to tell you how tired that I was, at one point I was, I was changing Ryder's diaper, and I'll spare you all the gory details. But um, after I was finished changing his diaper, I, I buttoned up his onesie, and then I stood there for a second. And I lost all sense of space and time. And I couldn't remember who I was or where I was or what I was doing. And I unbuttoned his onesie and I changed his diaper again. <laughs> and he's just looking up at me like, what are you doing, man? We just, we just did that. Like, come on. So I had to apologize to him. So I, I felt really bad. I mean, I was so tired and I was trying to take care of him. So I wanted to feel better about myself and look up some dirt on some other people, see if some other parents have gone through the same type of thing, so I looked it up online, and it turns out there's a lot of really tired parents out there. It's crazy. So I'm going to share just a few very tired mom stories with you this morning. The first one is from Yolanda G. She tells us that she is a busy mother of four children. She says that they're all spaced out two years apart, and she feels like she's just constantly running around. She says that her newest baby is very clingy and very needy, and he always has to be held um, and be given constant attention. Otherwise, he just screams like crazy. But this is very hard with three other children. So she decides to um, buy this, this baby carrier, and she starts baby wearing. Now, she said it was very new to her. She didn't do this with any of her other kids, so it was still a little strange. She was trying to get adjusted to it. Um, and one morning was particularly hectic, and she had just gotten her oldest two children out to the bus, and she had gotten them taken care of. And she went back into the house, and she checked in the crib, and the baby wasn't there. 
And so she starts frantically searching throughout the entire house, and she knows the baby can't walk, but she says she's still checking underneath the beds and underneath the couches and everything. And the, uh, the, the second youngest that was there with her asked what she was looking for, and she's like, well, I'm, I'm looking for your sister. And the child just simply walks over and taps the baby that she was obviously wearing and looks at her like she was completely crazy. Um, the next one is from uh, Mila H. She said that she had a particularly long and rough night with her teething daughter. She said she was up um, all night. She was cranky. She was fussing. And then when the baby finally fell asleep, she says, I could not sleep. So I decided to go uh, get out of bed and grab some coffee. Now, without thinking much about it, I poured the coffee straight into a baby bottle. And I added some creamer, and I put the lid on it. And I just started drinking it straight out of the baby bottle. And when I realized what I was doing... I was so tired that I simply took the top off and enjoyed the rest of the coffee straight from the bottle. All right, last one. Uh, Amy R., she explained what she did while she was sleep deprived. She said that she laid her uh, six-month-old out on his play mat, and the mat is beside the sliding uh, screen glass door, and the sun was shining that morning. No, she's already setting up with a whole bunch of excuses and stuff. Um, but she says, our small dog, who was close in size to the baby, decided to lay down on his back and get some sun. She said, I grabbed a cup of coffee, I checked my phone, and I was going to get the baby off of the play mat, and I went to change his diaper. So I, I walked over, I picked him up, put him on the changing table, and I started changing his diaper. And after I had over half of the diaper on, I realized I was diapering the dog. So this really puts my re-diapering into perspective, I think. I mean, it made me feel better about myself. But that being said, um, if I see you guys starting to nod off this morning, I'm not going to come down there and wake you up. So if you see me starting to nod off, please don't come up here and wake me up either, okay? We're just going to have that mutual agreement this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and open those up to 1 Kings chapter 19. That is 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be camping out there today, so you can go ahead and slide your little bookmark in there. That's where we're going to be stopping today. Um, if you haven't guessed it already, we're going to be talking about weariness, but we're not just going to leave it at that. We're going to look at how we can feel revived, regenerated, renewed, and then finally restored. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, while you guys are turning to chapter 19, I just want to give you a little bit of a backstory as to what just happened before our story takes place. So in 1 Kings chapter uh, 18, this is where Elijah takes on the 400 prophets of Baal. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. I absolutely love this story. So Elijah goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with these false prophets in this competition, and they're going to try and prove whose God is the one true God, okay? So the way that they decide that they're going to do this is they're going to set up two different altars, and they're going to offer two separate sacrifices. But they're not going to light the sacrifices. They're going to let their God light the sacrifices for them. So Elijah, being the polite person that he is, allows the 400 prophets of Baal to go first. So they start praying, they start calling out to their gods, begging them to light this, this, this altar on fire, and nothing's really happening. So Elijah starts teasing them. He's like, well, maybe your god's asleep. You should yell a little louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's on vacation. Why don't you try again in two to three business days? And nothing is working, so they're screaming, they start cutting themselves, they're playing instruments, trying to do anything that they can to get the attention of Baal, and absolutely nothing is happening. So finally, they just, they give in, they, they somewhat admit defeat, and they allow Elijah to take his place. Now, Elijah, he could have simply just prayed to God, and God would have lit the entire sacrifice on fire, but Elijah's a little bit of a performer. 
So he decides that he's going to soak the entire sacrifice in water before he allows God to light it. So he goes and he has all of his men and they start bringing buckets upon buckets and they're just dousing this sacrifice. Now keep in mind, they're in the middle of a drought right now. So this could be the last of their clean drinking water that they're watching being poured onto the sacrifice. Also that way Elijah can prove a point. So all of this taken into place. Finally, the, the sacrifice is soaking wet. It's all over the altar, and it is just it's completely filled up the, the little moat around it. And Elijah says, all right, now is God's time to shine. And so he prays to God, and he asks him to light the sacrifice. And, of course, God just rains fire down from heaven, completely consumes the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and it licks up the water that is around the altar. And then the 400 prophets of Baal go running off screaming, and Elijah and his men track them all down, chase them, and they kill them. And it's, honestly, if you've never read that story before, I highly, highly recommend you going back and reading it in its full um, context, because it, it is just an absolutely incredible story. So our, our story today takes place just after all of that dust begins to settle down. So let's begin reading in verse 1. It says, Then King Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how Elijah had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me terribly if by this time tomorrow I don't kill you just as you killed those prophets. And when Elijah heard this, he was afraid. And he ran for his life and he took his servant with him. And when they came to Beersheba in Judah, Elijah left his servant there. Then Elijah walked for a whole day into the desert and he sat down under a bush and he asked to die. I've had enough, Lord, he prayed. Let me die. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, just a couple of things that's already worth uh, noticing. Right off the bat, Jezebel says in verse 2, may the gods punish me terribly if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. Now, my question to all of you guys is, what gods? I mean, uh, she's mad at Elijah right now because he just beat all the 400 prophets of Baal in a competition proving that God is the one true God and then killed all of those prophets, but that doesn't seem to, to phase her. She's only mad about the latter part of that. She doesn't want to focus on the beginning of it. So you would think that the guy who just witnessed God rain fire down from heaven wouldn't be spooked by this little, little threat. But Elijah is so focused on the things that are around him, that are right in front of him. It's like he completely forgets the miracle that he just witnessed from God. And so in verse 5, we see that Elijah is just completely drained in every single way. It says, then he lay down under a tree and slept. So the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is if you want to feel revived, you have to take care of your mind. Now, how many of us will admit that when we have problems, a lot of times we try to sleep them off? We'll, you know, We've got something going on, well, maybe I'll feel better about it in the morning. Or, or we're in the middle of an argument and we try to, to go to sleep to be able to avoid that confrontation. Instead of facing Jezebel or talking to God about his problems, Elijah decides to run away and try and sleep off his worries. I mean, before this, he was basically on the verge of suicide. I mean, he's begging God to take his life before Jezebel has the chance to do so. But instead of doing anything in haste, he decides to sleep on it, and it saves his life. Did you know that 70% of mental disorders are caused due to the lack of sleep? There's over 60 different types of mental disorders, and 70% of them are caused due to the lack 
of sleep. Now, I personally have always struggled with my sleep. Um, in high school, I had insomnia. I would get eight hours of sleep a week instead of eight hours of sleep a night. And let me tell you, it is not fun at all. Um, I've tried fans, I tried lamps, I tried melatonin, and just absolutely nothing seemed to work. And through college, it got even worse. And one time I was up for three days straight. And I was so focused on the fact that I couldn't sleep that I forgot to eat. So for three days, I didn't sleep and I didn't eat. And it took practice. I had to work at it. I had to mentally prepare myself to try and sleep. And looking back on it now, I noticed something. I noticed that when I was having all of that trouble, all of those sleepless nights, it was when I was really struggling spiritually. It was when I had, had stopped going to church. It was in that part, that little um, awkward period, the transition period from high school to college that Daryl was talking about that's so dangerous that you have to take care of yourself. And I had stopped going to church. I had stopped praying to God. But my roommate, he convinced me to start going to a new church with him. And it was the strangest thing. It was like this, this weight had suddenly just been lifted off of me. And I wasn't depressed anymore. And sleep came easier to me. So if you want to feel revived, you have to take care of your mind. It is my firm belief that we live the majority of our lives in our mind. I was talking about uh, that with Julie just this past week. Your mind is so complicated. It's so powerful. It's capable of things that we can't even begin to understand. Our minds are just like their creator. And that's why Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Just like Elijah, we, we tend to get so focused on what's right in front of us, and we just get overwhelmed, and we just feel like we're drowning. We forget what God has done for us. We forget the prayers that God has answered. We forget the miracles that we have witnessed. And, but the mind is not the only thing that we need to take care of. So let's keep reading in verse 6 and see what Elijah does. Suddenly an angel came to him, and he touched him, and he said, Get up and eat. And the angel said, the angel said, Elijah saw near his head a loaf baked over coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank. And then he went back to sleep. Later the Lord's angel came to him a second time. The angel touched him and said, get up and eat. If you don't, the journey will be too hard for you. So Elijah got up and he ate and he drank. And the food made him strong enough to walk for 40 days and nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. So the second thing, if you want to feel regenerated, you have to take care of your body. Now I think you all know where I'm going with this. Diet and exercise. Now, I'm not entirely too sure what was in the bread that Elijah just ate, but it gave him the strength to be able to walk for 40 days and 40 nights. That's pretty incredible. So if uh, anybody ever tries to get you to give up gluten, just show them this story. It's definitely, it's definitely good for you. That's what I got out of this passage. So um, I've always hated the idea of exercising, but once I start, I find out that I, I actually love it. In high school, I used to run 10 miles because I was bored or just for fun because I wanted to. Now I can barely tie my shoes without using my inhaler. Um, but this past week, Charleston actually convinced me to go running with her while Slate and Julie were on vacation. Now, the week before, I was on vacation, and I ate nothing but junk food and caffeine the entire time. And that and the fact that I still haven't lost all of my pregnancy weight, um, it made me agree to say yes. And let me tell you, I felt absolutely terrible while doing it. She didn't know that until this exact moment. But um, afterwards, afterwards, I, I drank a smoothie, drank eight bottles of water, and I felt so much better the next day. It was absolutely crazy. 
Even though junk food tastes so much better, I would rather eat it. I'm sure you guys would rather eat it. It's, it's not what's best for us. I'm reminded of the story of Daniel and his friends in Daniel chapter 1 when the king has this elaborate feast that's laid out for all of the, the people who are brought in. And so the king invites everyone to his table. And now keep in mind, these, these people have probably not even seen or heard of any of this food before because it's so fine. He's, he's got it laid out with all the finest meats and the, the finest wines. And Daniel decides that he doesn't want any of that. Instead, he wants, he wants to eat fruits and vegetables. I don't know why. But the guards, they can't think of an easy way to break this to the king. And so Daniel comes up with this idea to have a competition between him and his friends and the rest of the men. Now Daniel and his, his friends are going to eat nothing but fruits and vegetables and drink water. And the rest of the men are going to eat all of the food from the king's table and drink all of the king's wine. So at the end of this contest, uh, the 10-day contest, Daniel and his friends are bigger they're stronger, and they are healthier than all of the other men. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Also, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, every time that I eat a bunch of junk food, I just, I always feel so sick afterwards. I feel absolutely terrible, and I hate to admit it, but when I eat healthy food, I feel better. Now, have you ever heard of the saying, garbage in, garbage out? It's the exact same with our spiritual lives as well. The people that you surround yourself with, the people you hang out with, the things you watch on TV, the music that you listen to, it all affects who you are as a person. Now, none of this is, is wrong necessarily in moderation, but you have to have that balance with it as well, which is why it's so important to read your Bible, to come to church, to fellowship with other Christians, and to talk to God daily. Because the third thing that we're going to notice is that if you want to feel renewed, you have to take care of your spirit. So let's keep reading in verse 9. There Elijah went into a cave, and he stayed all the night. Then the Lord spoke to him, spoke his word to him, saying, Elijah, why are you here? He answered, Lord God, all-powerful, I have always served you as well as I could. But the people of Israel, they have broken your agreement with you. They've broken their agreement with you. They have destroyed your altars, and they have killed your prophets with swords. I am now the only prophet left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to Elijah, Go and stand in front of me on the mountain, and I will pass you by. Then this very strong wind blew until it caused the mountains to fall apart and large rocks broke in front of the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was this earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was this quiet, gentle sound. And when Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his coat and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Now notice what happens when Elijah is honest with God about what he's feeling. God presents himself to Elijah. He shows himself to Elijah. So oftentimes we, we come to God with all these excuses, just like Elijah did. We like to list all of the reasons for why we can't be our best self. And God, of course, says that they're, they're just not good enough. We get so focused on the things that are right in front of us that we, we often forget to look up. And if we're honest, 
we, we tend to look for God and the big things like the fire, like the earthquake, and like the wind, because that's where we want God to be. We want him to come in and be this big and powerful force. But that's not where God was. God was in the gentle whisper all along. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if God just spoke to us like he did to the people of the Old Testament and told us exactly what we were supposed to do? Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that anymore, but Paul does tell us in Philippians 4, 6-7, he says, Don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything that you need, always giving thanks. And God's peace, which is so great that we cannot understand it, will keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. When we talk to God, when we tell him what we need, and when we ask things of him, notice right here that it doesn't say that he's going to give us an answer. It also doesn't say that God's going to give you exactly what you want. It says that he's going to give you his peace. And that's because when we turn our struggles over to God, we are surrendering ourselves to his will. We are admitting that we can't do anything more about the situation. And we are fully surrendering to God and letting him know that he is in full control. Now we need to start practicing going to God first. A lot of times, just like Elijah, we use him kind of like a last resort. We try to push ourselves and see how much that we can do on our own before we go to God. But it just absolutely drains us. I mean, look at what happened to Elijah and just these few short verses that we read. I mean, we see Elijah at his absolute lowest point. He's running and hiding, prepared to end it all, but God wasn't finished with him yet. In fact, he was only beginning. Because the rest of this story, throughout the rest of this chapter, God tells Elijah exactly what he's supposed to do. He tells him where he's supposed to go, who he's supposed to befriend, who he's supposed to fight, and then at the end, he tells him that he's supposed to train up a replacement for him, which, of course, is Elisha. And all of this happened because he finally let God in and he let God help. Isn't that amazing? When Elijah finally takes care of his mind, his body, and his spirit, God takes care of him. So when you put God at the center of your life, you'll often find that everything else just seems to fall into place. So once we have all three of these things taken care of, we can feel fully restored. Now Christ can set you free from whatever may be holding you back. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all of you who have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Accept my teachings. And learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your lives. The burden that I ask you to accept is easy. The load that I give you to carry is light. We have to stop pretending like everything is fine, and we have to allow God to work in our lives. This morning, we're going to extend a real invitation. And I would like to just read to you the first part of the song that we're about to sing and I'd like for you to really focus on the words of it. The song is called, Just As I Am, I Come Broken. And the lyrics go like this. It says, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. I come broken to be mended, I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And guess what? And God welcomes us with open arms. Praise God.
just as I am. Now, God doesn't care if you are at your spiritual high or your spiritual low. All he wants is to have a personal relationship with you. All of these excuses that we give to God, they, he just tells us that they're, they're not good enough. God is the true answer to all of our problems. He will mend the broken. He will fill the empty. He will rescue the desperate, and he will pardon the guilty. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to give all of your worries to God because he cares about us. We need to start taking care of our mind, our body, and our spirit, and we have to start surrendering all of them to the will of God. Now, I don't know what your need is this morning. Um, maybe you have a lot of stress at your job, and it's all that you can think about. And so um, your thoughts just, just keep getting away from you, and, and you feel like there's no way to fix it, and you want to feel revived this morning. Maybe you've, you've been so busy helping to take care of friends and families and other people around you that you forgot to focus on taking care of yourself and you just need to feel regenerated this morning. Or maybe you feel spiritually drained and you've been trying to do everything on your own and it just feels like you're drowning and you want to be renewed this morning. If you want to learn more about Jesus or if you want to be baptized, if you want to find out what Christ has done for you and be fully restored, whatever your need may be, if you're tired of doing it on your own, just please let us help. Come just as you are as we stand and as we sing.